Hello there, how are you all? Welcome to Defiance. I am your host, Peter McCormack, and today I have an interview with Cindy Gallup, an ad agency executive who is spearheading a social sex revolution with Make Love Not Porn. Her website that is pro-sex, pro-porn, and pro-knowing the difference. With the growth of sex and porn addiction and the broader awareness of issues relating to consent, the website is designed to be an object lesson in what consent is, good communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. In this interview, Cindy explains what drove her to start Make Love Not Porn, her social sex revolution, and the difficulties she has faced in getting investment and banking services. But before we get into the interview, I do need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin. Consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange, Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. Are you a Bitcoiner? If not, and you would like to learn more about Bitcoin, then please do check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, which Kraken also sponsors. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having any controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. Find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you are enjoying Defiance and you want to support the show, there's a number of things you can do. You can leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. You can follow me on social media at Peter McCormack and you can share it out with your friends and family. The reason why we fight is to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient, resolute, defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money. Hundreds of protesters turned out singing glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for having me here in your wonderful apartment in New York. It's a beautiful day. It is indeed. And uh, I knew I had to come and see you and talk to you after meeting you in Palm Springs and hearing you talk about the sexual revolution that you're uh, that you're on. So I just want to start out by asking... Yeah, actually, do you know what I'm going to do? Mm. This will be a really good start. Excuse mm. me for doing this. I'm going to read something I, I read in sure. prep. The Social Sex Revolution. Mm. Imagine a world in which no one feels guilt, shame, or an embarrassment around sex, where our sexuality isn't something consigned to the shadows, but accepted as personality, a fundamental part of who we are, where everyone is able to talk openly, honestly, and frankly about sex, whether that's parents educating their children or lovers communicating in bed. Now, I won't read the whole thing. I'm going to share that out so people can read it, but can you give me the background to this? Like, what is the journey that's taking you to this point where you are working on Make Love Not Porn and leading this sexual revolution? Sure. So, um, essentially, Peter, everything in my life and career has happened by complete accident. Okay. I've never consciously and intentionally planned anything, and so my startup is also a complete accident. So... Make Love Not Porn came out of the fact that I date younger men. Um, they tend to be men in their 20s. And about 11 I'm too old then. <laughs> <laughs> and about 11 or 12 years ago, I began realising through dating younger men that I was encountering an issue that quite honestly would never have occurred to me if I had not encountered it so very intimately and personally. I realised I was experiencing what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. I realised that I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. 
When those two factors converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. Okay. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 11, 12 years ago, nobody was talking about this. No one was writing about it. And so this was me in isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going... I'm going to do something about this. So 10 years ago, I put up on No Money this tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. Launched at TED in 2009, became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage six times in succession. The talk went viral as a result. And it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so I then felt a personal responsibility to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful and effective. And so that was the point to which I turned it into a business. And I turned it into the world's first and only entirely user-generated, human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we are what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it obviously doesn't. Mm -hmm. We are socializing and normalizing sex, making it easier for everyone to talk about in order to promote consent, communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. And that's why we call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social. Right. So there's a number of things to I can touch on on here. I have previously interviewed an adult performer by the name of Ali Evenox and talked about a number of subjects with her. But the things that are coming to mind here for me, so firstly, I'm guessing your experience here was you were dating young men, you were making your way to bed, and you were being treated like it was a pornography film rather than you as a human. So that was, I'm guessing, the first thing. Uh, Right. Uh, um, Let me just um, clarify that, Peter. And I should say that I've spent the past 10 years of working on Make Love Not Porn trying to get the world to see nuance in all of this because we are talking about the single universal area of human experience that we are most fucked up about, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So, first of all, uh, let me explain exactly what was going on in the scenario you talk about Mm -hmm. because that is absolutely the heart um, of of what we're doing at Make Love Not Porn because I designed Make Love Not Porn to make it easier for every single person in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. And what you're alluding to demonstrates precisely why this is so crucial. So, because we do not talk about sex as a society, it is an area of rampant insecurity for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. We all get vulnerable when we get naked. Mm-hmm. Sexual ego is very fragile. People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because in that situation, you're terrified that if you say anything at all about what is happening, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings, put them off you, derail the encounter, potentially derail the entire relationship, but at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. 
Everybody wants to be good in bed. No one knows exactly what that means. And so you will seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. And if Uh the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, because your parents didn't talk to you about sex, because your school didn't teach you, because your friends aren't honest, those are the cues you'll take to not very good effect. I'm enormously selective about the younger men I date. My fundamental criteria, no matter how casual relationship is, they have to be a very nice person. Okay. I have fantastic radar of very nice people. I only date utterly lovely younger men in an atmosphere of mutual trust, respect, affection, and liking. And so when they get into bed with me, they are going, oh my God, she's an older woman, got impress her, and they're breaking out the porn moves. Overly porn-influenced sexual behavior is usually driven by the best of all possible motives and not the worst. And, and so I want your listeners to understand that nuance. Um, but yes, um, essentially, you know, and again, bear in mind, this is 11, 12 years ago. Okay, I was the first person to stand up on the stage at TED and publicly identify this mm-hmm. as an issue, which is why thousands of people then wrote to me from every country in the world, pouring their hearts out. But, um, but, but essentially, you know, to, um, to your point, this is me going, wow, you know, I recognize those moves. I recognize those facial expressions. I recognize that soundtrack. I know what's happening here. And as I said, thinking, if this is what I'm experiencing, many other people must be as well. Well, it's interesting you say that because I come here with my own slight nerves about the conversation. Like, where's this conversation going to go? Are we going to get into an era where I'll feel, feel uncomfortable, you know, because it's not something openly discussed? Will we discuss something that becomes embarrassing where if my listeners hear it or my children hear it? But, like, I'm here happy to do it. But, but another thing it makes me think about as well, and I wonder if you've thought about this, because in a world where we've had Epstein and we've looked at a disgust for him for his treatment of 16- and 17-year-old girls... We also, at the same time, we legally accept an 18-year-old can go into a studio and perform in an aggressive film with three, four guys, and that's seen as acceptable. Has that crossed your mind as well? So, um, first of all, you're talking about porn, yes. um, which is a completely different sector to the sector that I operate in. No, but what I mean is, mm. you're, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to teach a different way to consume sexual material. No, um, no, um, no? no, um, no okay. not at all. Not, not at all. As I said earlier, Peter, the issue, well, and, and I've been saying this 10 years. So the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. Okay. Okay. If we did, amongst many other benefits, which I hope I get the chance to come on to, People would then be able to bring a real-world mindset to the viewing of what is simply performative produced entertainment. That's why our tagline, and Make Love Not Porn, is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And that's why um, the reason for the genesis of MakeLoveNotPorn.tv was that in order to, you know, execute against this mission of making it easier to talk about sex, I decided to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to the one area no other social network or platform will go in order to socialise sex. Okay. And to make real-world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. And so that's why what we're pioneering at Make Love Not Porn is we are building a whole new category on the internet that has never previously existed, social sex. Our competition isn't porn, it's Facebook and YouTube. Or rather, as I said earlier, it would be if they allowed you to socially, sexually self-express. And so social sex videos on Make Love Not Porn 
are not about performing for the camera. They're simply about doing what you already do on every other social platform. Capture what goes on in the real world, as it happens spontaneously, in all its funny, messy, glorious, silly, beautiful, ridiculous, wonderful humanness, and we curate to make sure of that. I designed Make Love Not Porn around human curation. Mm-hmm. what every other tech platform should design itself around from the get-go. Our curators watch every single video submitted to us from beginning to end. We do not publish it unless it's real. And by the way, we have a revenue-sharing business model. Our members pay to subscribe, rent, and stream social sex videos. And then half the income goes to our contributors, whom we call out Make Love Not Porn Stars. But um, let, me, let me tell you and your listeners what the overarching goal of all of this is. Mm-hmm. Because when I say to people that our mission is this very simple thing, make it easy to talk about sex. Because we don't do that, people don't get how massively, profoundly, socially beneficial that would be. And and here's, here's what I mean. I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask people this question. What are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Our yeah, par- I can't. Yeah, no, exactly. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed. But they should, okay. because in bed, values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we are actively taught to execute them. So here's what the world will look like if I can ever get Make Love Not Porn funded to achieve this social mission at scale. Parents will bring their children up openly to have good sexual values and good sexual behavior in the same way they currently bring them up to have good values and good behavior in every other area of life. We will therefore cease to bring up rapists Because the only way that you end rape culture is by inculcating in society an openly talked about, promoted, understood, operated, and very importantly, aspired to gold standard of what constitutes good sexual values and good sexual behavior. When we do that, we also end Me Too. We end sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual violence, all areas where the perpetrators currently rely on the fact that we do not talk about sex to ensure their victims will never speak up, never go to authorities, never tell anybody. When we end that, we massively empower women and girls worldwide. When we do that, we create a far happier world for everybody, including men. And when we do that, we are one step closer to world peace. I talk about Make Love Not Porn as my attempt to bring about world peace, and I'm not joking. So I've got my phone up because I was trying, mm. attempting to find something I watched on Netflix mm. recently. It was a documentary about a bunch of school, college kids in an American football team who had sexually assaulted a young oh, girl. Oh, um, uh, um, th- uh, that would have been Nancy Schwartz's amazing documentary, um, Roll Red Roll. Roll yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. I watched that recently, mm. and I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. Is that what you're alluding to, that kind of behaviour? That is part of what we call rape culture, Uh absolutely. And the heart of all of this, Peter, is that we do not talk openly and honestly about sex in the real world. So what we're doing in Make Love Not Porn could not be more topical in the era of Me Too Mm -hmm. and, and of the horrifying events you're talking about. Yes. Because right now, quite rightly, everybody is talking about consent. 
everybody is writing about consent. There are lots of thoughtful, nuanced, insightful think pieces about consent out there. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what consent actually looks like in bed. Nothing educates people as to what is great consensual communicative sex, good sexual values and good sexual behavior, like watching people actually having that kind of sex. And Make Love Not Porn is the only place on the internet where you can do that. Every one of our videos is an object lesson in consent, communication, good sexual values and good sexual behavior. We are literally education through demonstration. Right, so let me ask you a question. So I've got two children. Mm. One of them is a 15-year-old boy. Mm. So I recently tried to have a conversation with him mm. because he's at that age where I was, where pornography was first introduced into our mm. world. And But when I was 15, it was a magazine mm. and it was boobs and bums. Mm. That's all it was. Mm. He is now one click away from the most extreme pornography yes. that you could possibly yep. get. So I had to raise it with him and mm. I just said, look, have you been exposed? Have you seen any? He said, yes. And people have been sharing mm. things at school. Mm. I attempted to try and talk to him about this to say, look, this isn't real life. You know, when you eventually have mm. a girlfriend and you eventually, you know, even trying to have the conversation mm. with him, he closed up and he yeah. refused to even have yeah. the conversation. What advice can you mm. have in that area? Yeah. How do how sure. do you even approach that with yeah. your children? Sure. So, um, so Peter, this, this, this again is exactly why, you know, to, um, I started Make Love Not Porn, because the average age day which a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online is eight years old. Wow. And by the way, a global study done by Bitdefender five years ago indicated then that age had dropped to six. And by the way, this is absolutely not because six-year-olds and eight-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what is inevitable in the digital world we live in today. They stumble across it. It's what somebody shows your kid on a cell phone in the playground. It's what happens when they go around to the neighbor's house. Because it doesn't matter what controls you have at home, your kids go other places. Or, and this is by far the most common instance, they Google something innocuous and, and, and this is what comes up. Okay. So parents and teachers write to us all the time. And so my advice to parents today is two things. The first is, you cannot begin talking to your child about sex too early. And what I mean when I say that is, I don't mean literally talk about sex. What I mean is, the very first time they ask where babies come from, that they touch their genitals, the most important thing actually isn't even what you say as much as how you say it. Mm -hmm. Never get visibly flustered and embarrassed. Never get angry. Never shut them up. Instead, answer them calmly, straightforward, and honestly, and you will open up a channel of communication between you that will be there all through their lives, and, and, and you want it to be there. And then the second thing I say to parents is, today, because of what I've just said, when you talk to your child about sex, you must also at the same time talk to your child about porn. And this is a lot easier to do than most parents think. Okay? Okay. All you have to do is some version of what I'm about to tell you, and you dial it up or down depending on the age of the child. So what you say is, so darling, so we've just talked about sex. And you know how together we watch movies and videos and cartoons where things happen that aren't real? Well, there are also movies and videos about sex, and they're not real either. And because of that, they can be quite confusing, and so we'd rather you did not watch them till you're older. But if anyone ever shows you something like that, or you come across it, come and talk to us, we can explain it. And that is literally all you have to say, because you've then done two very important things. The first is that you've set up in their minds for when they stumble across porn, this isn't real. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you have encouraged them to come and talk to you about it. And by the way, trust me, you will want them to come and talk to you about it, because what a child stumbles across can be utterly traumatizing. 
it's funny you should explain it like that because that's actually a very similar way to how I explain drugs to my son because he's at that age now where he's going to festivals mm. and had a very similar conversation where I was like, the f- first time you're exposed to it, you've got to come and talk to me about it. You won't be in trouble. You'll never be in trouble mm. about this, but we need to have the mm. conversation. So it's very similar. Mm. Also, with regards to sex, another thing I've learned with my children is actually not to make jokes about it. Because if you yep. make jokes or it ever feels like a tease, yep. they close up. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, at the heart of all of this, Peter, is... Um, so it very much amuses me when people talk about watching porn. Because nobody's watching porn, they're wanking. Okay, this okay. is not entertainment you watch, it's entertainment you masturbate to. And so you can't talk about it in the way we talk about other forms of entertainment. Because, you know, your son is subject, um, quite rightly, to, you know, all of the hormonal changes and sexual urges that, of course, you know, we all are as teens, which is when we begin really kind of getting to grips with, with, with our sexuality. And he is going to be massively aroused by whatever he's watching however bizarre or extreme it may be, and that's very, very conflicting in your mind, to kind of recall for something and be enormously aroused by it at the same time. And so he's going to find it incredibly difficult to talk about because there are so many different dynamics going on, including massive sexual arousal. You know, and, uh, and again, you know, as I said earlier, there are so many nuances to all of this that because we, ha- we have never, as a society, talked openly and honestly about sex, we have never embraced the ability to actually explore and discuss and debate and research and look into this universal human use case the way we have with every other area of life. So let me ask you, this is a very bold and open way to talk about sex. Have you received negative feedback? Well, you must have, I'm sure, but have you... None, none at all? Did, um, no. So, so here's the enormously ironic thing about what I'm doing, okay? In 10 years of working Make Love Not Porn, we have had a universally positive reaction mm-hmm. from all around the world, okay? Amazing. My only barriers have been financial and business ones. Uh, and by the way... You know, one of the reasons for that, I think, is... Um, so I alluded earlier to the extraordinary global response my, my TED Talk received 10 years ago. When makelovenotporn.com was just this very clunky little, little porn world versus real world site, I think the reason for that extraordinary response was that makelovenotporn.com was a manifestation of me. And what I mean by that is, it was very simple, straightforward, truthful, honest, down-to-earth, utterly non-judgmental, and it had a sense of humour. We never get to have conversations about sex within those parameters. The moment we do, the floodgates open. What people have welcomed everywhere in the world is that what I and my team are doing with Make Love Not Porn is we are socialising and normalising all of this. Mm -hmm. We are the social sex revolution. And I can tell you that everybody is dying to talk about sex. And when you normalize it and go, this is perfectly natural. And again, I'm all about communication through demonstration. Our approach is social. Everything we do is social. People just go, oh my God, at last. You know, I remember, you know, one of the thousands of emails I got 10 years ago was from a man in his 30s. And and, and he wrote to me at enormous length, as many people did. And at the end of his email, he said... An indication of how messed up our world is around sex is that I am writing all of this to a complete stranger, a woman I've never met, just because she is the first person I've ever heard talk openly, honestly and publicly about all of this. Well, so I looked at the website and took a look. It is very different from anything else you might go if you're looking for, I guess, sexual performance as entertainment. It's it's so real... 
I guess it, it also makes it less intimidating. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster, we're the documentary. By the way, Peter, the reason amateur is the biggest growth sector in porn has nothing to do with porn. It has everything to do with the fact that everybody wants to know what everyone else is really doing in bed, and nobody does. Okay. Until now, when for the first time at Make Love Not Porn, we're showing you. And, and so... Um, Attached to that are many, many benefits. So porn is purely and simply masturbation material. That's its role. Very good at it. We are not just that. We are that too, by the way. Extremely happy to, happy to be that. But we are many more beneficial things on top of that. So for example, social sex is enormously reassuring because we celebrate real-world everything. Real-world bodies, real-world hair, real-world penis size, real-world breast size. You can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love. Nothing makes you feel great about your own body. Like watching people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other. Desiring each other. Having a bloody amazing time in bed. Our mantra is everybody is beautiful when they're having real world sex. And they really are. And then we're also reassuring because we celebrate the accidents the awkwardness, the messiness. If you only learn about sex from porn, porn teaches you that sex is a performance. Nothing must go wrong. Oh my God, it did. How embarrassing. I can never speak about this to anybody ever. Whereas we go, if you can't laugh at yourselves in bed, when can you? And in our okay. videos, ridiculous things happen because this is the real world. And then also, very importantly, um, we celebrate real world emotion, mm -hmm. love, intimacy, feelings. Our members write to us and our Make Love Not Porn stars. One man wrote, he said, the sex in that video was incidental. I want what you guys have. I saw the way you looked at each other. I saw the way your eyes met. I hope one day I can meet someone I'll have that with. We get very, very moving emails. And by the way, we have a very unique category on Make Love Not Porn, which I wanted to have from launch and my friends helped me. We are the only place on the internet where porn stars share videos of the sex they have offset in the real world. Because okay, porn, stars have, porn stars have real world sex too, okay. which is completely different from the sex they perform professionally. And so our gay, straight, lesbian, trans porn star friends share on Make Love Not Porn videos of the sex they have in their real world relationships with their real world partners. And a number of them talk in those videos about how different this is from what they are you know, performing professionally in front of the camera. Well, so I want to ask a lot more about the business, but I want to do one more question before then. Mm. You know, we touched on the fact that, say, my son could, at the click of a button, get to mm. quite extreme pornography. Mm. Where do you stand on censorship, though? Do you believe that it should be, there should be censorship, or do you believe yeah. that this it comes down to the responsibility yeah. of the parents and education? Right. So, no, because what, what I've been saying, again, for the past 10 years, is the answer to everything that worries people about porn and sex is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It is instead to open up. Open up the dialogue around all of this in the way that I and Make Love Not Porn are working to do. Open up to welcoming, supporting, and funding entrepreneurs like me who want to disrupt all of this for the better. And open up to allowing all of us to do business in the same way everybody else does. Because when you do that, you completely transform the landscape of what is deemed adult. I like to repurpose in this context Wayne LaPierre of the NRA's infamous gun control quote. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. But, but there's also a very important component to what you've just asked me, Peter, which is we all watch porn, we don't talk about it. 
Porn therefore exists in a parallel universe, in a shadowy other world. Porn therefore lacks a number of the tools that we use in every other part of our lives to improve them. So for example, porn lacks curation and navigation. Or rather, it lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation. Because there are sites that curate porn, but they're porn sites. There is no Yelp of porn. And there's no Yelp of porn because right now it's really okay to come into the office, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the restaurants I've been eating at. Who knows the new restaurant? It is not okay to come in, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the porn I've been watching. Who knows some new porn? And that's a problem, Peter, because the landscape of porn needs curation and navigation, especially for young people. Okay, for example, I have many female pornographer friends who are making amazing, innovative, disruptive, creative porn. They're not getting the traffic, the viewers, and the income they deserve because nobody can find them. Okay, and by the way, I get very frustrated when people use the word porn like it's all one big homogenous mass. That is like using the word literature like it's all the same thing. Okay? okay, the landscape of porn is like landscape literature. It is as rich and infinitely varied, as full of genres and subgenres. And we would be a lot better off if society and the business and financial world opened up in the way I've just talked about, which meant that your son, when he is looking for porn, could actually find guides that direct him to um, the, the, the other corners of this vast genre of porn, this vast world of porn beyond Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, you know, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. because he would be a lot better off and quite frankly, you know, as I, as I said, you know, those poor old friends of mine would be a whole lot better off as well. So I, I believe everything you're saying. I think it's amazing. For me personally, it would be a huge step to go from kind of understanding what you're saying, agreeing with everything you're saying, to being brave enough to upload a video of myself online. However, like the inertia that people must, they must struggle with this. But so what's your experience with that? Right. Sure. No, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. So obviously, before we launched MakeLoveNotPorn.tv, we had to seed the platform with mm -hmm. content. So I and um, our curator spent an entire year asking all our network and complete strangers, will you film yourselves having real world sex for us? So every time I talked about Make Love Not Porn to anybody, I would always end the conversation with a question. So would you be interested in contributing content? And I would always ask this question, regardless of whether I personally thought the person I was talking to would or wouldn't. And that's how I found out that 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is yes. To the extent wow. that I literally had to rearrange my facial features because I want to go, what? <laughs> um, the desire to do this lies a lot closer to the surface in many more people than you'd ever have thought. And given a reason, given our social mission, our social values, people jump at the chance. And by the way, the vast majority of our Make Love Not Porn stars had never, ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before, ever. They're doing mm -hmm. it for us, again, because they believe in what we're doing. And here's the really interesting thing, Peter, because we're a social experiment. I mean, even I, who had this idea, had no idea of all the benefits it would deliver. So our Make Love Not Porn stars tell us, fascinatingly, that socially sharing their real-world sex has been as transformative for them and their relationships as socially sharing everything else has been for the world at large. So we are all-inclusive, LGBTQ. We have many solo videos. Okay, we have, we have men and women who film themselves masturbating for the first time ever, and they have uploaded a video of this incredibly intimate act to be watched by complete strangers on our platform. They tell us that doing that made them love themselves more. 
It actually enhanced their sexual sense of self, their sexual self-esteem. Couples tell us that doing this transformed their relationship. Because when you decide to film yourselves having sex, you have to talk about it. And when you talk about it, it doesn't matter how long you've been together, the conversation goes places it's never, ever gone before. Couples write to us and say, you know, we thought we were open. Doing this just took our relationship to a completely new level. And incidentally, you don't even have to, to share your videos on our platform to find out how transformative filming yourselves can be. Because, you know, we get a lot of emails from people saying kind of nervously and timidly, ooh, you know, we're quite interested, I'm quite interested, you know, um, can you tell me more? And one of the things we always say is, listen, um, just start videoing yourself or, or yourself. You know, no obligation. You know, we recommend just start videoing yourself, check it out, see what you think. So um, we, we, we know from the emails we receive, and in fact, we just published an amazing blog post from a couple who've been members for three years, who, um, you know, we have, um, I mean, first of all, they talked about the fact that Make Love Report has transformed their relationship because, um, and this is exactly how we're designed to work. They said, you know, watching your videos normalized our conversations about our sex life because we just dis we discovered that talking about them you know felt just like talking about something we've watched on tv you know and then and then it inspired them to begin filming themselves and 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 they have not taken that final step to become make love not porn stars but just filming themselves has added this whole new dimension to their sex life that they never anticipated you know i remember i mean i talked to a woman who, you know, she'd seen me speak, she went home, she said, you know, that very night, my husband and I, you know, filmed ourselves out of curiosity. And she said to me, I had not realized how incredibly hot it would be to watch ourselves. Because a lot of people never have. You mm -hmm. know, she went, wow. You know, this, I mean, you know, she said, we're not at the stage where we're not going to share it on your platform. But this was amazing. And so, you know, to, um, this is all part of the, you know, that there is zero obligation to become a Make Love Not Porn unless you want to. But we are inspiring people to do this and to have it be revelatory in how their own relationship develops. Also, I should just say that, you know, our community emails us every day. And again, you know, the point I made earlier, I had no idea how transformative we would be. So we hear from couples who say you saved our marriage. Hadn't had sex in years, okay? Because with social sex, it's okay for the husband to say to the wife, the wife to say to the husband, or, you know, partners of whatever gender, to go, oh, I came across this thing. You know, why don't we watch it together? Then you're right and go, kaboom, best sex since our wedding night. People write to us and tell us that we have helped them recover from rape, sexual assault, sexual abuse, and by the way, women and men write to us and tell us this. They say, you help me reclaim my sexuality, you know, to, to, uh, to, to rediscover my body again. People write to us post-cancer, post-surgery. One couple wrote, um, they had a thriving sex life, married. The husband then got prostate cancer, surgery, erectile dysfunction resulted. Their therapist recommended Make Love Not Porn. They wrote to us and said, our sex life is now even better than it was before the surgery. And, and by the way, I think that's because we celebrate, you know, all the wonderful ways you can have non-penetrative sex. You do not need an erection to be able to thoroughly enjoy yourself on both sides. You know, we even have a make love, not porn baby. So a couple wrote to us quite soon after we launched and they said, we've been trying for a kid for ages. We just came back from the doctor our scan proved what we suspected. Our child was conceived the night we watched this particular video on Make Love Not Porn. They said, we're not going to say we couldn't have done it without you, but you really helped. So, uh, so we are helping people in all sorts of ways, as I say, I never envisaged when I came up with this idea. Did you lead by example? So uh, we're asked this question all the time. Yes. So we sat down pre-launch as a team and we had this conversation. 
we said, as entrepreneurs, we should be using our own platform. What do we think about that? So varying views within the team, some people keener than others, but we all agreed the same thing, which is we fight an enormous battle every day to build this business. Every piece of business infrastructure, any other tech startup can just take for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content. And this is all pervasive across every single area of the business. Sadly, right now, for business reasons, it would not help us okay. to have any of us on our platform. I mean, it's already tough enough trying to work with, with business and finance having the platform. And so it's a purely business reason. Further down the road, who knows? But right now, no. So let's get into the business stuff. And mm. it's interesting timing because of the announcement by PayPal yesterday with regards to Pornhub. Uh, yeah, and can I just say, Peter, my immediate response to that news was, fuck me, PayPal let Pornhub work with them for all those years when none of us can. That was, that was the revelation. Right, okay. So w- what is the business model? Right, so our business model, um, our core business model is revenue share. Okay, so our members pay to subscribe, rent and stream social sex videos. 50% of that income goes to our contributors, our Make Love Not Porn stars. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, by the way, we would like our Make Love Not Porn stars one day to be as famous as YouTube stars for the same reasons, authenticity, realness, individuality, and we want them to make just as much money. We want to hit the kind of critical mass where one day your social sex video gets a million rentals at $5 per rental, and we give you half that income. We are the answer to the global economy, by the way. Um, So that's the core um, business model. But there there are other planned revenue streams which are predicated on our ability to scale, which, by the way, is massively inhibited by, you know, difficulty finding investors. So one of those is data. So I designed Make Love Not Porn to be the Kinsey of today. Real-world, real-time, real-life human sexual behavior capture and aggregate in a way that nobody else is doing. And by the way, I do not mean personal data, okay? Um, This is a female-founded venture designed through a completely different lens to the white male-founded big tech platforms that dominate our lives, okay? That is not our business model. Our business model is the ability to extrapolate data about human sexuality in an area that is notoriously research and data and statistics free, because for all the reasons I battle on a daily basis, nobody's funding the comm score of sex, okay? And also in the area of research and data, where there is the widest possible gap between what people say and what people actually do. And we are all about what people do. And by the way, we have some... Um, some very interesting things happening on the data front, which um, we, we finally find, found a partner who totally gets it. And and at the moment, I can't talk about it, but I'm hoping that in the not too distant future, we can announce ways in which we can contribute to the world at large using our data that nobody has even envisaged because we are the only platform that is capturing real world sex. Okay, so let's tackle the two primary issues you raise there are separately. Mm. There's fundraising mm. and actually building the tech yep. platform. So yep. start with fundraising. Sure. What's your experience been? I guess you have a deck. I guess you've spoken to venture capital. What's the experience been like? Right. So a couple of responses to that. First of all, so I've been um, trying to raise funding for Make Love and Porn for 10 years. <clears throat> okay, I'm exhausted. Um, have my, you raised any? Um, I have, and I'll okay. come on to that. Um, so my biggest obstacle raising funding is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think. Because it is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. 
when you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, nobody can argue with it. The business case is clear. It is always their fear of what they think other people will think, which operates around sex, unlike any other area. So, um, you know, I'm really asked, so Cindy, you know, what do VCs say when they turn you down? I go, I wish I could get that far. I can't even get across VCs' thresholds, okay? You know, I can't even get the meetings, and do you know why that is? Oh, um, fear of what other people think. So you've been yeah. told that? Oh, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. So, so a young VC reached out to me, this is several years ago. Mm-hmm. He saw me speak at Big Omaha, which is, a, which is a big Midwest tech conference. He wrote to me, said, oh, my God, what you're doing is amazing. We met up the next time I was in San Francisco. We talked. He totally gets it. He said, none of my partners will. Too many stakeholders. You know, all my partners, our LPs, they won't get it. Um, A friend of mine who is a female VC, um, a very prominent one, she said to me, Cindy, you know, I think what we're doing could be really big. If I took my partners, they go, what do you want? Okay. Uh, And by the way, one of the ironies of this, Peter, is, you know, I often want to say, listen, if everybody dropped the pretense simultaneously, everybody's worried about what everyone else will think. If we all drop that, then we could all embrace all of this. So, so to give you our, our, our fundraising history, after my TED Talk um, in 2009, got this amazing response, concept of makelovenotporn.tv, I then pitched it for two years before I found one angel investor who got it. Mm-hmm. He put up $500,000 in seed funding to help us build a platform. And, um, and sadly, by the way, asked to be anonymous. You know, he works in finance. Sadly, it wouldn't benefit him for people to know that he backed us, which again is one of the things I'm trying to break down, you know, obviously. But, but here's the interesting thing. Any other founder looking for funding can at least do their research and target. You know, they can go, oh, so-and-so has publicly said they want to invest in my sector, clean tech, whatever it is. So, so-and-so has a publicly viewable portfolio that indicate very clearly the interests are aligned with what, I, with what I'm doing. Nobody is putting their hand up going, bring me sex tech. And sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. The people you think would get it don't. The people you thought were complete prudes do. And so this angel investor was someone I'd known for a while. Um, I actually wasn't even pitching him. He was in town. We had dinner. Purely as dinner conversation, I told him what I was doing. He got dollar signs in his eyes. He went, I'll fund that. And I was gobsmacked. I mean, I had him marked out as a bit of a prude, actually, in this this area. And that just demonstrates what I'm talking about. So he's been amazingly supportive. And he's put more money in his convertible notes over the years. I put in a ton of my own um, savings, by the way. And then, you know, I set out five years ago to raise just $2 million to scale Make Love Not Porn. It was enormously challenging. And, you know, that's, um, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll come on to talk about the sex tech fund I decided to raise as a result. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, our investor is, um, he's a professional investor. And so he travels around the world, you know, meets high rollers. And whenever he finds somebody he thinks might be open-minded, he'll pitch us to them, which is how he found out for himself what I already knew, which is that we are literally the final front of investment. So he and I were having dinner at the end of 2017, and he was gobsmacked because he sees our potential. And he said to me, Cindy, the guys I meet, and sadly they're all guys, by the way, he said, the guys I meet will invest in literally anything else. Guns, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, drugs. The minute you bring up sex, whoa, you know. And he was so frustrated, he said, so I'm going to put the money up myself, have $2 million. And I was gobsmacked because, I mean, I didn't want to go back to him. He'd been so amazing. I wanted to bring other investors to him. But he put that funding up. And by the way, this is nothing to be happy about that in 10 years, I've only been able to find one investor. But I, um, I need to raise more funding because that was terrific, but by the way, great. I then discovered, even with funding, two areas of frustration, one old, one new. 
The first area of frustration, I know we're going to talk about this in more detail, was none of the infrastructure uh, challenges have improved. Okay. And then we had a whole new era of frustration because we finally had the funding to do what we'd never been able to afford to before, paid for advertising, marketing, promotion. Nobody will take our ads. Okay? Facebook will not allow any sex-related advertising. None of the social platforms will. Even Reddit, a few months back, announced they will not take adult-related advertising. Reddit, I ask you. The same is true of traditional media channels. The MTA, um, who, who oversee billboards and subway advertising here in New York, they will not allow Make Love Not Porn to advertise. In fact, my fellow female sex tech founders at Dame Products, who are a sex toy company, are currently suing the MTA under the Freedom of Speech Act for not taking their ads. So, so two dollars does not go far but when you're battling all of those problems um, and, and over 10 years because as you yeah. know yeah most tech companies yeah. you are a tech company yeah. go through a series round oh, yeah, no, uh, a b yeah, c and yeah, the, you yeah. you know that if you're hidden certain benchmarks yeah. you'll be able to get yeah. to your next round um, no, no 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 exactly and so, so what you would normally do peter is you would take that two million dollars whatever round funding is and you would deploy it rapidly to get the hockey stick where you know and um and it doesn't work like that for us i mean i don't know if i'll ever get funded again quite frankly well, what is the size of the opportunity they're missing out right. on Oh, my God. Um, so, um, sorry. And can you talk yeah, about yeah, any yeah, of your yeah. metrics so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happily. Um, so let me talk about the opportunity and I'll come on to our, our metrics. So I've been saying for years that sex tech is the next trillion-dollar category in tech, okay? And the reason I say that is, oh, my God, the money there is to be made. But the money to be made in two areas, the second one of which right now nobody even thinks is possible. You know, they don't even think about it. Okay. So the first area is... Obviously, the money to be made out of sex. We all have it. We all enjoy it. Completely recession-proof. Market never goes away. Okay, The universal human use case. Yeah. Um, but secondly, Peter, oh my God, the money to be made out of socially acceptable sex. When you do what we're doing at Make Love Not Porn, socialize sex, you then normalize people feeling really okay about publicly buying your goods, products, services, and then publicly doing what they do with everything else, publicly reviewing, recommending, sharing, advocating, and publicly badging themselves as brand ambassadors. That's the trillion-dollar financial future we're going after. And it's entirely feasible because... So with Make Love Not Porn, um, I have to kind of contextualize our metrics, mm -hmm. okay? Because, first of all, our growth has been entirely organic, mm -hmm. okay? As I, as I said, you know, historically, we've never had funds to be able to do promoted, targeted outreach. And, and now we can't anyway, you know. So our, our growth has been driven by two things, media coverage and search. Mm -hmm. The one benefit of being a controversial venture is that we get ongoing media coverage all around the world without doing one single bit of PR media outreach which is great because we can't afford to anyway. Yeah. And the interesting thing, by the way, is that whenever anybody writes about us in any country around the world, that country rockets to number two in traffic after the US, no matter how tiny. Okay, so several years ago, someone wrote about us in Serbia. Serbia's minuscule, number two in traffic after the US. That summer, someone wrote about us in Switzerland, also tiny, number two in traffic. When the, when the country is particularly large, India, China, Brazil, they can overtake the US in traffic. Now, what that demonstrates is how much people want what we're doing. The less good thing about that is that we get a ton of traffic from markets, you know, brick markets, where our business model is completely out of whack with the economy. They can't afford us, you know. Okay. And so I'm actually looking for on-the-ground investors in India, China, Brazil to launch Make Love Not Porn India, Make Love Not Porn China, Make Love Not Porn Brazil, reconfigured and redesigned to, to be acculturated to, to, to the local market, local economy. 
So we have had over 500,000 members sign up in our, in our you know... That's six, not a small number. Um, six and a half year lifetime. No, exactly. I mean, obviously, a much smaller number in terms of paying subscribers. And again, bear in mind, you know, this is organic growth. Well, it's not even, you know, it's not even driven by us kind of actively trying to grow our, our members. But if you watch mm. the... I'm pretty sure in the... Um, one of the, the parts of the Facebook film, the mm. social networks, when they hit a million subscribers. And that's in an entirely free platform. Half a million is not a small number. No, um, no, um, no, uh, no, exactly. And, um, uh, and also, by the way, um, so we also, uh, again, bear in mind, this is without doing any kind of promotional advertising. We've had over 200 Make Love Not Porn stars submit over, I think it's now 2,000, 2,000 odd videos. Mm -hmm. We began taking in income on day one. Okay, our monthly income is obviously very low because of all the payment processing challenges. But the point is, in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, people are paying for social sex because they see the uniqueness and the value of what we're doing. Um, and by the way, we had a fantastic proof of concept just literally two months ago because CNN featured us in the premiere episode of their new series of This Is Life with Lisa Ling. The first episode was called Porn Ed. And by the way, I want to admit it is mildly galling that, I mean, the whole point of the episode was, oh my God, kids are learning about sex from porn, when I identified that 10 years ago. And if I'd raised the kind of funding I was looking for 10 years ago, we wouldn't have to have that episode now. Nevertheless, it was great coverage. Within a few minutes of us appearing in that episode, our site crashed. But with this huge traffic spike, and by the way, again, because we are massively underfunded, under-resourced, we knew this was coming, we'd shored up our servers, our tech is so clunky, you know, it just, I mean, we got it back up as soon as we could. The following day, our daily income was up over 400%. It proved that when people find out about us at scale, A, they want us, and B, they will pay for us. Didn't? Didn't Killing Kittens have a similar problem raising funding and they actually oh, yeah. community raised in the end? Killing Kittens, who are again our fellow women of sex tech, and yes. by the way, you know, we, we are part, we're all part of a thriving community. Get, your listeners should go to womenofsextech.com. You'll okay. find us all there. It started in New York, which is home to the largest community of female sex tech founders globally, but now, now we're international. Um, but um, so here's the interesting thing um, fear of what other people will think. Um, rules out crowdfunding for us, okay? And that's because successful crowdfunding requires the network effect. You know, it requires a ton of people willing to very publicly rally around something yeah. and then very publicly invite the whole networks into it. Okay. And incidentally, uh, Peter, even within sex tech, there is a hierarchy of acceptability, okay? Sex toys are now a, a thing. They're a known category, there's familiarity, you know? We have a number of fellow female founders doing wonderful things in the audio porn, audio erotica market. That's, again, more acceptable because you're only listening. You're not seeing. Make Love Not Porn operates right out at the extreme end of sex tech. Oh, my God, people having sex on video, basically. Wouldn't, so, wouldn't you argue, though, that Killing Kittens is the same? It's out there yep, with you. I mean, that, yep, they're normalising. Yep. Um, no, but, uh, uh, but, but they're event-based. Yeah. You know, um, they're content-based, and so they're doing something different. You know, okay. Depressingly, I see the evidence of this um, in my own social media feed every day because I am very active on social media, and I post about a whole range of things, you know, Business, tech, advertising, feminism, sex, make love, not porn. My posts about sex and make love, not porn, my tweets are read. They are never liked, shared, and retweeted at the same level as anything else I put out there. Yep. I can tweet about make love, not porn. I will get 25,000 impressions and two retweets. 
Uh, and by the way, I know this qualitatively because I've had this conversation with a num number of my friends. And bear in mind, a number of these friends are people who are actually very prominent in the tech world. You wouldn't think they'd worry about what other people think. And they've said to me in one-on-one -on -one conversations, Sydney, you're absolutely right. You know, I love what you're doing. I'm a parent. I get it. I read everything you post. I never retweeted any of my followers. Fear well, of what other people think. Well, I tell you it's quite interesting. So when the Pornhub news broke yesterday, I posted it in two, two places. It's an mm. interesting experiment. I put it on Twitter. It was shared a lot mm. because I'm surrounded by Bitcoiners mm. who think, oh, yep. this is an opportunity. Oh, yep. this, you know, yeah. this is great. This is a way mm. they can be paid. Mm. I put it up on Facebook. It must have been liked like, by two or three people, despite the fact that probably, I mean, you'll know the stats of the percentage mm. of men who watch porn and women. Yeah. I, th I guess men, it's like close to 100%. Mm. And mm. women, 80s yep. percent maybe? Yep. Well, am I oh, no, oh, 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 no, um, no, I mean, okay, um, bear in mind, there are no reliable stats, as okay. I said earlier. Nobody's funding the com score of sex and porn. But the stat you'll see banded around there is basically 30% of the porn viewing audience is female. Quite frankly, in my view, it's a, it's a, it's a lot higher than that. Okay. But amongst my friends, there will be definitely people, mm. men and women, who Obviously. are watching pornography. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the removal of payment from PayPal, in my world, that's firstly, it's censorship, it's financial yep. censorship, but yep. secondly, it can make their lives more difficult, which I think maybe potentially makes it more dangerous. No, Yet no one wants to talk about... You're absolutely right, Peter, yeah. you're absolutely bloody right. No, no, and, and this is the infuriating thing, I agree. I mean, you know, to, to be frank, you know, separate to that issue, you know, I get, you know, mildly upset every day when I see how few of my many friends on Facebook and LinkedIn and on Twitter like and retweet my posts about my own startup. Mm -hmm. You know, only my really, really close friends are brave enough to to actually like those posts and, and retweet those tweets. You know, it's, it's astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. Well, the question I like to ask mm. people is, do we think the performers in adult films deserve the same treatment and protections of people in Hollywood films. And my view mm. is absolutely exactly yep. the same because they're, they're yep. essentially doing the same thing. You yep. consume it differently, but they're essentially yep. providing you with on-screen no, entertainment. No, 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 Peter, you're absolutely right. And by the way, part of the social sex revolution, and I've said this publicly many times, is that one day, in normalising all of this, one day sex work should be as straightforward and natural and normal a career choice as doctor, lawyer, accountant. Okay, okay. Um, and sex workers should be able to use their own names and not be in fear of any stigma. No, this is the infuriating thing. I go back to my point earlier about we all watch porn, we don't talk about it. Porn therefore lives in this parallel universe. Therefore, porn is the one industry where nobody shines a bright light into dark corners. Nope. Nobody is you know, acting on behalf of the industry. Nobody has driven any kind of antitrust legislation to break up the biggest monopoly in an industry in the world, which is MindGeek, you know, which monopolizes porn. And in any other industry, that would not be allowed to, to continue, but, but in porn it is. You know, um, no, and, and I, I go back again to my point about the answer to all of this is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It is instead to open up. And <clears throat> I've been very vocal, again, in interviews. You know, I make the point that every single payment processor that refuses to process payments for a legal adult company, legal adult businesses, every bank that refuses to work with legal adult businesses, every business that will not partner with legal adult businesses, they are directly responsible for all the bad things that happen in the adult industry. Okay, well, let's, let's, I'm conscious of time. But I do want to ask you about the difficulties you've had mm. in specifically with regards to banking services, but also with technology, because you've had a real struggle, haven't you, in this area? Yeah. So as I said earlier, every single 
piece of business infrastructure is denied to us because of, because of the clause no adult content. And this is all pervasive across every area of the business in ways that people outside the sphere don't realise. So, you know, as I said, I can't get funded. I can't get banked. It took me four years to find one bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for Make Love Not Porn. Um, our biggest operational challenge is, is payments. PayPal won't work with us. Stripe won't, uh, can't work with adult content. And by the way, you know, the founders of Stripe are friends and, and fans and supporters. Why can't? You know, Why is um, it can't? Um, 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 because um, the banks won't let them. You know, to, ah, um, because they yeah. they work via the banks. So the banks yeah. are the banks are the problem yeah. here. Yeah. Then every single tech service I need to use to operate Make Love Not Porn, hosting, encoding, encrypting. The terms of service always say no adult content. In every single case, I have to go to the people at the top of the company, explain what I'm doing, beg to be allowed to use their service. Sometimes they let me, sometimes they don't. This is a very labor-intensive process, as you can imagine. We had to build our entire video sharing, video streaming platform from scratch, ourselves as proprietary technology, because existing streaming services, off-the-shelf components, will not stream adult content. I am so jealous of friends who built video startups on top of Vimeo. Quick, easy, simple, I can't do that. Even something as apparently simple as finding an email partner. MailChimp won't work with adult content. You know, we were rejected by six or seven email partners till we found SendGrid who would. Every single thing is a battle. Um, and, and that is why, by the way, the thing that overcomes all of this is funding and money. You know, and as long as I don't get it... Yeah, but there's a bigger issue there. Yes, mm, funding and money, but, mm. but there is, this is discriminatory behaviour for yeah. what is a legal industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, are, we are more legal than legal. But, and it's like, it's like the drug industry. So uh, I'm a big supporter of uh, the right to choose which drugs you want to put inside your body. Uh, a previous drug addict, uh, I'm now clean for five years. The, one of the things that helped me is I used to buy my drugs on the Silk Road and there were forums on there that could help you. If, well, firstly, you could buy clean drugs and secondly, it could help you if you felt like you have a problem and I was having a problem and I went to the forums and it really helped me without that I wouldn't have had that support so I, I, I fundamentally believe mm. that that the repression or the difficulties that people in the sex industry have with payments ultimately doesn't change anything apart from making yep. people's lives yep. more difficult and more dangerous. No, no, exactly. Peter, when you force an entire industry into the shadows and underground, you make it a lot easier for bad things to happen yes. and you make it much harder for good things to happen. And by the way, I've been saying for years in an attempt to open up the tech and business world's minds, the three huge disruption opportunities in tech today are sex, cannabis and the blockchain. Yeah. And ironically, investors and funding are flooding into the other two more than they are the first, which means that VCs and startups in cannabis and the blockchain can afford to fund lobbyists, regulation change, public education initiatives, mm -hmm. foundations. We need all of that in sex tech because we need a new legal definition of adult content. I'm going to say Bitcoin, not blockchain. That's going to be my uh, thing I'm going to leave mm. with you. Fo focus on mm. Bitcoin, not blockchain. Cause, mm. um, oh, yeah, so, um, so I've been talking to the Bitcoin community for years. And by the way, the Bitcoin community has been enormously supportive. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, 10 years ago, when I was concepting Make Love Not Porn and beginning to realise the obstacles that I was running into. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, somebody said to me back then, you know, Cindy, to do what you want to do, you're going to have to start your own bank. I was so frustrated, so <laughs> Did angry. Did you look into it? I actually looked into starting my own bank. I investigated that, and that's how I discovered it's impossible. Regulation makes it completely impossible. But basically, I said to my team, we're trying to invent the future of sex. I want to talk to anybody inventing the future of money. 
let's find the people as frustrated with the old world order of finance as we are from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, so we like, you know, looked at the entire fintech landscape. And, you know, I began talking to Bitcoin players very early on. Unfortunately, did not buy Bitcoin. Wish to God I had, obviously. Um, you wouldn't have a problem you know, now. <laughs> and, and, and they were enormously supportive. The issue being that our lack of funding and resources means, and I said this at Crypto Springs, you know, we, we needed plug-and-play solutions. Mm-hmm. And those have not existed for a very long time because we don't have the developers to be able to kind of build and integrate. And I mean, we have enough trouble just keeping our platform going on a day-to-day basis. So I, I'm continuing to explore Bitcoin. I was thrilled, um, you know, at Crypto Springs, I met with a founder of OpenNode. We're talking to them, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I will also say, again, what I said at Crypto Springs, Make Love Not Porn is a mass market mainstream um, platform, okay? We need, we need Bitcoin to tell its story more effectively. We need Bitcoin out in the mainstream, very simply and clearly understood. I mean, I love the fact that crypto streams, we're having this discussion. Mm. You know, you've got to be able to, able to kind of like, you know, phone it home to your parents. That's how simple and easily understood the story has to be for, you know, more of the mass market to accept this as, you know, this is a whole additional form of payment that I can now use. How much of the problem has Foster caused? I mean, that was what I was mm. just looking up, uh, the sure. Foster-Sester yeah. uh, yeah. regulations. Do, do you know, it's interesting. So it's not an issue for us because... Um, but is that why the banks are behaving the way they are? Um, no, no. No, uh, it's uh, not no, related. No, no, no. Here, um, here, uh, by the way, just, just to complete that thought for your audience, because I designed Make Love Upon around human curation. Yeah. As I said, our curators view every single video submitted from beginning to end. We don't have to worry about being liable for content on our platform because we designed that into it. Mm. No. Um, Ray, Ray the banks the, the thing that is, is the biggest concern in the financial world about adult is chargebacks and, and and just for your audience in case they don't know what I mean by that yeah. chargebacks is when you know the wife says to the husband darling what's this odd charge on our credit card the husband goes oh no idea what that is that's fraud we're not paying that okay make love not porn has a zero chargeback record with social sex couples watch our videos together nobody's you know hiding anything from anybody else but when I try and explain that we are a low risk venture in what is deemed a high risk category no one wants to listen because compliance is knee jerk you know it's more than my job's worth you know our, our compliance rules say no adult content that's it so it's entirely the chargeback problem yeah can't charge yeah. back with bitcoin yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Do you accept Bitcoin yet? Um, no, no as, as I said just now, we're That's talking what, to OpenNode. Oh, about, you're talking about, about OpenNode. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, they're out in LA, I think. Yeah. Okay, so look, this is all very interesting. It's fascinating. Actually, <laughs> it's fascinating. I love listening to you speak. Anyone listening to this, what message would you like to leave with them? What would you like them to do? How can people help yeah. you? Sure. So, so first of all, I would love everyone listening to this, um, you know, the way you can most easily help us is please go to makelovenotporn.com Join for free. Please take out a subscription to help us. Uh, and, and incidentally, we are working on re-engineering and relaunching our site. And so make allowances, okay, because um, it's pretty clunky at the moment. It's but, not but, that bad. Uh, well, well, thank you, Peter. We are, we are about to overhaul and update it. Bear with us. Secondly, if anybody out there is an open-minded investor who wants to invest in the next trillion-dollar category in tech, please email cindy at makelovenotporn.com. Thirdly... 
we would love you to basically join all of us in sex tech and the adult industry in doing everything you can to campaign against the ridiculousness of how much we are shut out of doing business the way everyone else can. And so in whatever small way you can, even if it's just sharing and, and retweeting the things that, that, that we write about, you know, how unfair and how unjust this is, if you work for a fintech company or for a tech company where in any capacity you have the ability to change the way they operate, to embrace the social sex revolution, we would love you to do anything you can to help all of us. Um, because basically, when we open up all of this, you know, what I like to say is Make Love Not Porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not porn, not sex, the market of human happiness. We will all be a great deal happier. I think that's a perfect way to end it then. Okay, look, great to see you again, Cindy. I really appreciate you coming on. I hope this show helps. I hope, uh, and I wish you all the success and anything I can do for you, just let me know. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for listening to Defiance. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Cindy. It was great to get her on the show. I had previously met her out in Palm Springs. I'd heard about the project, so I did want to meet her. And when I was in New York, I reached out to her and she was happy to do the interview. And it was great to hear from her perspective how the growth in online porn has changed the sexual behavior of her partners and why she feels there is a need for a revolution in what porn is and why she feels there needs to be a social sex revolution. It was also interesting to hear from her about her struggles getting banking and investment for Make Love Not Porn, something I covered in my other show, What Bitcoin Did with Holly Randall. The discrimination against legal businesses that fall under the adult industry is shocking to me and is something I will continue to explore on both of my shows. Also, I need to say a big thanks to my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Find out more at kraken.com. Also, if you want to support the show, there's a number of things you can do. Please leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show, follow the show on social media, or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about the show, then please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.